I'm Taylor. And I'm Mackenzie. And, and we're, we're twins. twins. I like starting things and sometimes finishing them. And I love talking about television, which made us want to deep dive into TV pilots. So join us each week as we analyze, dissect, and possibly even enjoy some of television's greatest opening episodes in From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie. Welcome to From the Top with Taylor and Mackenzie, where we talk about a different TV pilot every week. This week we're talking about the pilot of the OC. I'm so excited! <laughs> and though the pilot is our main subject of discussion, as always, there will be spoilers for the rest of the series, so so be warned. Okay, I- I'm so pumped. We're going to make sure that we get to a very important question this week, which is, is it creepy to name your boat after a girl you've never talked to? Huh? That is a very hard question to answer. Not, but yes. Yeah. Must yeah. be must be discussed. Taylor, are you so excited? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Cannot match my level of excitement. It's I fine. can't match yours. I'm excited to hang out with my twin and talk about this fun show, which was more fun than I thought it would be. Thank you for not judging me. Because I'll get into it in a second, but I this was not a show that I loved, but now I love it a little more, so... With that, let me just talk about the basic production. This pilot aired on August 5th, 2003, created by Josh Schwartz and Mick G. I was a little bummed to find out his real name, Joseph McGinty Nickel. Like, Mick G is so much yeah, cooler. Yeah, Mick G is a lot cooler. I wish I had the good, mystery. Good job, Mick G. <laughs> but yes, if you listen to our Chuck episode, you will know that these are the same creators. So well done. And this is pre-Chuck, right? This is pre-Chuck. Pra- Pre-Chuck Chuck practice. So we, Chuck will be better because this is practice. I'm sure that you will have much more to say about your history with the show. So I will let you go first. Mackenzie, what is your relationship with this show? I feel like I had a relationship with this show. So thank you for (laughs) asking it that way. I definitely remember being in high school and watching this. This ran kind of through the end of our high school career. And even though I knew that these people were not high schoolers, they were actually adults acting like them. I just, I loved the drama. I thought Ryan was very hot. I really liked how geeky and cute and nerdy Seth was because there might have been a boy in my life who had like the soulfulness of Ryan and the like geeky curly hairness, and actually also Jewishness because my husband is 13% Jewish. Found that out. Thanks Ancestry.com. Um, <laughs> No, you know what I'm. What I mainly remember is watching the VHS of the first wow. season. Um, I had the VHS of season number one. I don't think I followed up with that on any of the other seasons. But that tiny white TV that we've talked about mm. before that I had in my TV bedroom, VCR combo. I would pop my little VHS in that VCR and watch it and just enjoy the the drama that was nothing like my high school career in in you know the Pacific Northwest at all. So. So you mentioned that your husband is a mixture of Ryan and Seth. Do you feel like you're a mixture of Summer and Marissa? Um, I'm 0% Summer, and <laughs> we'll get into who my twin is later, so I'll get back to you on that. Okay, okay, okay. How did you come to this show, Taylor? I was a high school boy <laughs> at one point. In your life. At the same time as you, because we're twins. And I had to tell myself that there was no way that I could enjoy this. Because it was such a girly sounding show. I mean, it's a soap opera. It's true. It is a high quality soap opera. I would not let myself believe that it was possible for me to enjoy any part of this. Even though Sandy Cohen 
is a real stand-up guy. He is. If I had gone into it just wanting to be Sandy Cohen, that might have been enough to enjoy the show. But I do remember seeing, like, your DVDs of the show in later years. I mean, like, she is just so silly. Excuse me for owning every, like, I box judge set at The Simpsons. I you hard. Okay? Hard. <laughs> you, you, to each his own. To you, each his own. You had a love, and this was mine. Yours might have been much more high concept and, you know, or, or high comedy, I guess, but. Yours I've had grown. more heart, so it's win-win. I don't know. I don't know. I might defend this show to my death, so we'll see what happens. Well, so we can get talking about this pilot of the OC, let's give a plot summary of the opening episode. Here we go. We've got Ryan, a poor, impulsive, but intelligent high schooler from the wrong side of the tracks, and he sees how the other half lives after being taken in by his public defender, Sandy Cohen, who is awesome. What a lucky guy to have a public defender with a very rich wife. I mean, that worked out. I thought that was a cute little joke. Then he was like, well, it's not my money. It's my wife's. He's humble and he's got a great hot wife who's rich, you know? Man, he's great. He's great. Mm -hmm. Since you were pretty much a newbie coming to this pilot, what did you think of this opening part of the episode, scene one? What was your take? I thought it did a great job of setting the character of Ryan by using his brother, who's clearly just a burnout loser yeah like quit being a little corn dog you know and so you can see that okay ryan's not a bad guy and that's given in like 10 seconds i was looking for ways to tear this down the whole time <laughs> watching the opening scene i was like oh boy let's light the fire under this candle but now i think they actually did a pretty great job so in terms of telling the viewer who your protagonist is showing his life and then setting him up for something else assumedly it does do a very good job I love his line, <laughs> the perfect melodrama of it, where I'm from, having a dream doesn't make you smart. Knowing it won't come true, that does. It was very teen soap opera. A, a <laughs> lot of exposition right there. I did love that, you know, when his brother teaches him how to steal the car and his brother's driving away from the cops and all that, Ryan actually looks scared. You know that this right. is like literally his first time and he doesn't really want to do this. And then when... Sandy Cohen, his public defender, is talking to him and he's like mentioning his SAT scores. You you see that, okay, this is kind of a kid who's caught in this system of poverty and an unsafe family situation. And maybe there's some potential. Where are we going to go? I thought they did a pretty good job of packing that all into the first scene where it doesn't just feel like, here is the story. I am an exposition robot. <laughs> we, we both love Sandy in his very big heart and sweet manner. But Ryan seems like a good guy that you want to do well already. So we're, we're set up. Yeah, we're, we're on his side right away. I will say, even though we'll talk about the title song a little bit more, but when it come, when the little piano tinkles come in, boo-da, boo-da, boo. I thought the tone was wrong. It was very, you know, bleak. His home life right. is terrible. And then it was like, dee doo dee doo dee Yeah. It's like, uh, I don't know. Not the right time. Well, maybe it's giving us hope for something more for his life. We'll see. Yeah. Well, being such a fan of the show... I had a lot of fun going back and deep diving on a little bit of the production history because Google was not the same back in 2003. You could not find out all these things. So <laughs> it was fun to find out more about the show and how it entered into the teen soap drama zeitgeist. And zeitgeist. at this time in 2003, Buffy and Dawson's Creek had just ended. So this was kind of a great time for this show to be thrusted forward because there was a hole in that genre at the time and i also love that it was on fox because i don't think fox had done anything like this before so 
They yeah, I think well. they have The Simpsons and The X-Files and then Blink Programming. Yeah, that's just it. Now, I am a writer on the side, hopefully not on the side at some point, but I was a little jealous of Josh Schwartz reading about his history. Being a 26-year-old to be a showrunner is pretty oh crazy. Gosh. Like, one of the youngest or the youngest in history. Reading that, like, every writing thing he did in college, it won this award and it wow. went into this festival and was like... Well, aren't you just Mr. Great Writer, Mr. Hemingway? Well, you know, he goes on to do Chuck and Gossip Girl and The O.C., so, you know, he's got a, quite the repertoire. And The Heart of Dixie, he just, yeah. Whoa, well, good for him. He he did go to USC also, which is where he kind of got this Orange County, The O.C. idea, where these bros, when they're like rugby shirts and, you know, <laughs> puka shells, uh, they would call it the OC, and actually he got like backlash from people from Orange County who were like, no one calls it that, but he defends it from his time at USC. So It's like calling it the five. Is that what they call it in California? Yes. Oh my Those gosh. Those dummies. It's even... called I-5. So if you call it the five, there's, get there's out of no Washington, I guess. Now, I maybe we'll have to look this up some point as we're recording, but was this during, at the same time, whatever, of that reality show about Orange County? The Hills? <laughs> no, was... pre-The Hills. What? Laguna Beach, Laguna the Beach. real Orange County. This was before because no one really cared about Orange County until this. And then there were all those Orange County area shows. Right. Well, this started that for better or worse. So For worse, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's awesome. One thing that if you remember about the OC or if you're going to watch it now because the show is going to be so enticing that you're going to watch it for the first time is that music was a big part of the show and specifically for the pilot josh schwartz as he wrote this he had songs actually written into the show well yeah when you're writing a show about high school you kind of have to yes get your emo on i think about our high school days and everyone just with cd players and headphones on because they were so angsty listening to their good charlotte oh good charlotte Uh, i could have gone my whole life without thinking about good charlotte again thank you very much (laughs) welcome yeah imogen heap like rooney death cab like i look back and like oh this is so high school but that's kind of a compliment what was made clear from watching the pilot and further in my research was that this isn't a show just about these high schoolers like i love that the parents are so involved and not just like as uncool stereotypical killjoys like thinking about stranger things the parents were really just there to close the door and stop you know slow down the plot But Peter Gallagher, who plays Sandy, was actually cast first. Yeah, this quote from Josh Schwartz saying, We wanted to send a very clear message that this show was about as much about the parents as it was about the kids. We had this acclaimed film and stage actor in Peter Gallagher in the lead role, who was himself a heartthrob. And so I'm sure any moms who watch this show with their daughters or sons (laughs) were like, Oh, I'll take me some Peter Gallagher too. Break me off a piece of that. Also me being a huge fan of while you were sleeping at at probably you know too young of an age yeah i'm sure this drew me in because i was like hey i know that old guy who's real cute so why isn't he asleep i yeah Mm -hmm. it's it's such a great casting i love sandy we'll talk more about him one thing i noticed on this rewatch as opposed to when i was in high school and like just looking at biceps now that i'm a little more nuanced as an adult i love that this show really encapsulates the outsider perspective that ryan is the you know he he's the one the audience is learning you know he is the outsider we're kind of watching from his lens of what this community the oc is actually like and so it's obvious that he's kind of the outsider but really 
Schwartz says that it was the dirty little secret that everybody in the OC, this new money community, no one feels like they belong. And so even even Marissa, even Seth, um, we'll, we'll see who else, maybe Kiki, Kirsten, the mom, people feel like they don't belong. And so it's kind of this, this look at both sides of everybody being the outsider. And there's a little more nuance there than when you're just watching it to see like if Seth and Summer are going to hook up. And I like that. Yeah, and as a viewer, we can also think, oh, I'm also an outsider. Do I belong? And you can feel one with these chillins. I'm going to call them chillins because they're younger than me now. I mean, Misha Barton was like 17 when she did this, which is crazy. So she was the only one who but, was actually our age while we were yeah. watching it. They that look young enough, but yeah. Before we get into our key storylines, let's talk for a moment about the song. Because ugh, as much as I hated the show as a high schooler, who isn't running along the beach singing, you know? California. Guys, we're only going to sing it one time. I like it. This whole thing cannot be us re-singing that song. Okay, we're done. We're, we're good. We got it. <laughs> we are so sorry. Has Phantom Planet done anything else? Well, it's interesting. When you write a song that is good, and then it becomes a TV show theme song, you know, years later, it's like the Rembrandts with the Friends song. Right. It's like, oh, we we just wrote this song. We didn't write the Friends theme song, but now that's what it is. So, Phantom Planet, if you wanted more than the OC, we apologize. All of us just want to run along the beach in California and sing it, so. I just want to be on the beach right now. Yeah. This show made me yearn. I yearned. Well, let's slap on some puka shells and let's do it. <laughs> I'll never do that. All right, Mackenzie, hit me with key storyline number one. Here we have Ryan's hard life, his sad life, meeting Sandy with the big old heart. This is kind of the driving storyline of the show. And it really begins, you know, with them meeting in jail. But then we learn that, you know, Ryan's dad is in jail. His big brother, definitely a criminal. Very sad. And then his mom kicks him out. And so he's really left on his own. And then Sandy ends up taking Ryan in. Just for the weekend. Wink. Wink. Yeah, right. I kind of wish that, that Kiki had been like, you brought home another kid? Like, yeah. I can't replace my jewels again. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I'm going to hide the jewels. That was funny because she wasn't. <laughs> I, I like that she ended up being a mom to him anyway. She's like, this kid's going to need sheets. And, you know. Yeah, that was very sweet. Oh, speaking of sweet, when Sandy ties his tie and he like sees through Ryan's BS when he's like, oh, it's a better look with no tie. And then he's like, I did learn to tie tie till I was 25. My heart grew an extra size and it hurt. Knew. It hurt a little. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a lot more where that's coming from in here. And do you know anyone with a pool house? The Gilmores? Okay. Oh, in so, real life? Yeah. In, in real life. Because I don't. Um. Well, it shows us that Ryan's gone from as far as he can go from, you know, Chino, uh, which is probably not that bad, but his house looks terrible to like, I, I'm in a pool house with a maid. The big juxtaposition. Can you just tell me right now, does he ever hook up with the maid? <laughs> no. If you haven't watched the episode, she is an older Hispanic woman. Still cute, but um, not Ryan's. Not in his age I will bracket. Just, not at all. Nope. Probably, probably a good thirty years difference. Which I don't know. Ryan <laughs> might do. That might happen with someone else's mom, who hooks up with someone <laughs> in this show. That does happen. Okay. Okay. We got another pigeon. All right. Well, I think you know. We see that Ryan's hard life is not something that can be just wrapped up really quickly because he tries to go back home and it ends up that his mom has moved out, which is 
so terrible. And as a mom, actually, my heart was really broken. Um, and then Sandy was this is like, multiple days. Was it like two days? Yes. I mean, not that she moved out real quick. She did. She was like, he's gone. I'm gone. Yeah. Not a good mom move. Sorry, girl. Wow. And he's just left, you know, walking through the house. And then Sandy comes in and sees that his house is empty. And I just love that Sandy doesn't miss a beat. And he's like, let's go. We don't know where they're going yet. And I honestly don't remember how it works exactly. But Sandy is is in it to take care of Ryan. This is really the impetus for the rest of the show. Fun place to start. And to cry. <laughs> it's so beautiful. It's, it's true. Well, let's talk a little bit about the only actual teenager on the show. Marissa Cooper. I, I'm going to ask you more about this later on, but their initial lines together are oh so gosh. dumb. There's, oh, I uh, couldn't. She says, who are you? And he says, whoever you want me to be. And then he lights a cigarette. <laughs> I almost turned the TV off. It was, that was so bad. It was definitely like a, oh, that's right. I'm not watching Breaking Bad with the amazing writing. Well, I did wonder if anyone could deliver those lines well. Is it possible? I think that'd be a great acting test. Like Ian McKellen and oh Judy gosh. Dench. They Try are. this out. I'm sure that they could do it with a lot of flourish or sexual tension. I don't know. <laughs> it, it was such an adult, that's such an adult thing to say. Or, you know, I don't know. The amount of drama and like buzz underneath their eye contact was like, I don't know. I like tripped when I first saw a guy I like and like fell over. I, I just have never been that cool or sexy. So, yeah. We see them share their cigarette, which is like, ah, uh, which actually, no, that's just dumb. We see her trying to rebel. And I did read they let this teenager actually smoke because she yeah. was showing her rebellion. And to see that on TV actually at that time was kind of a big deal. And Ryan never smokes again. So that's kind of how they talked the network into letting them do that scene, which I thought was interesting because now on Netflix, you can do whatever you want. But Yeah, I love to think about them going to standards and practices and saying, can we have three cigarettes this week? Yeah. You know, I got to talk about the boyfriend, Luke, oh. and the oh. size of his truck when he pulls up. It seems inversely relational to the size of other things Yeah. on his body. Yeah. He's clearly just the biggest corndog in the world. Yeah. I wrote that the truck screamed, bro, just real loud. And he does have a lot of puka shells, which I'm not going to Was lie. he wearing puka shells right there? Oh, he was around his neck Ugh. with that little collared shirt buttoned open. <laughs> it, it was a lot. And he's like playing rap music. And like, dude, he's the whitest, broiest guy ever. I'm like, turn that off, man. I would love to read his poetry. Oh, yeah, you know it's deep down somewhere in there <laughs> about his small body parts. I have to admit, the first time I met my husband, he was wearing a puka shell necklace. <laughs> I remember him wearing pukas at camp, yeah. It worked for me. The blue eyes and the curly dark hair. It worked for you? I just, it wasn't, it wasn't about the puka shells the, themselves as much, but I didn't mind the look. He was wearing also like a track suit. He's a man of many, you know, <laughs> many personalities wrapped up into one, so. I hope that our listeners, if they don't know Brian well, are just wrapped up in the mystery of this, of this man. Well, because now he's like an, an account executive for a successful company and, you know, his... Is, he still wears puka shells though right no, no he doesn't he's he's Darn. traded them for like a bunch of chains so we're good <laughs> let's talk a little bit more about marissa's family a very funny little cameo i don't you can tell me if she's in the rest of the series but shailene woodley plays right? a little tween so cute she was so cute and it's like funny because she really looks like she hasn't aged a lot no they used her <laughs> i think for one or two seasons and then they actually like age her up because she dates someone that she she dates chris brown the little sister dates chris brown yes the the singer is he is he playing a character or is he playing chris brown in the show? he's playing a 
character. Okay. Yeah, but she would not be old enough at the time as a person to date him, and so they had to change that. But yeah, that was kind of a fun little cameo. Also, I looked up that um, Chris Pratt plays someone at a party at some point. There's there's some famous cameos in this show. Oh, not in this episode. No, but okay. the OC was ripe for stars that we know now in their budding like teen or young mm. 20s years. With their changing but I'm not going to say changing okay. bodies. I, I regret this. Yeah, okay, no, let's get, let's too. go, let's go. I think, you know, it's interesting because when we meet Marissa, it's instantly like she is this girl who she's totally going to rebel because her family sucks and there's so much insecurity. She's looking for the bad boy. She wants to smoke. She's got this bro boyfriend. And then we'll also see her get trashed later in the episode. And we, we see her dad who he's in trouble with the law and she's the one fielding it which is like oh what man. a dummy ugh you suck seriously i'm like she needs to be in therapy for that which spoiler alert she goes mm-hmm. to therapy in the show well that's good yeah that it doesn't is. often happen in shows it's true and then she kind of gets a crush on a guy whatever it's the whole thing and then also her mom julie cooper she's the worst she's the one who ends up having relations with a teenager at some point does she have a positive character arc where like she's vulnerable or change at any point or is she just the worst for four seasons her husband becomes poor and she divorces him so no (laughs) solid yeah i really enjoy her chunky highlights um and the way she critiques marissa's non-existent weight no i don't like that part it it's just this i actually really like that they fleshed out why marissa would be rebelling and having these issues because yes they're all a bunch of butts that's a very good point that is that is well sketched you would say. Can I ask you a question? Always. Did you feel like Jimmy Cooper, who's played by Tate Donovan, does he come off as skeevy to you? Well, my only experience with the actor is from Friends as Joshua. And oh I gosh. liked that guy. I did like Joshua. But it was clear when he tells her, oh, it's just something with a client, nothing to worry about. It's like, well, you clearly suck. Yes. And I don't trust anything you say. So skeevy not in like a weird way but yes he married someone too too young for him there's a funny moment where later on seth tells ryan that his mom almost married jimmy sandy gets all defensive about it and that is definitely something that we will watch play out in the show where they have this underlying friendship and you know a little neighbor love are they neighbors there's a moment with a light bulb they are they are neighbors yes okay okay now that we've gotten into the whole soap opera aspect of the show okay we're gonna do a surprise segment about (gasps) soap operas oh dear okay so our executive producer lorian roland my wife has made a little she's the best a little quiz for you all right answer me these questions taylor is stroking his beard let the record show it's not long enough to like twizzle down my fingers like 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 jafar (laughs) Ugh, Jafar. I'm nervous, but I'm ready. Mackenzie, I'm going to test your knowledge of the OC throughout the years. Oh, dear. I'm going to tell you a plot line, and you have to tell me if it's from the OC or from just a standard soap opera. Okay. All right. Are you ready? I I am. Do you feel confident? I feel like Seth Cohen's ability to beat Ryan in video games. So, yes, I I think they're playing Mortal Kombat. I don't know. Okay, here we go. Number one. A male character locks a female character in a room and threatens to shoot himself because the female doesn't love him. Yes, that happens in the OC. With Oliver. <laughs> You're right. I don't know who that is, but yes. you are right. That's the guy she meets in therapy. Okay? Aw. Yeah. Wait. So it's, therapy Wait. doesn't is go he well. another? Is he's he a, another? He's a teen at the therapy office that she starts a relationship with. 
Okay, it's not her therapist. No, no, it didn't go there. That would be weird. (laughs) Okay, that's good. All right. Number two. At a wedding, two characters get in a fight and destroy the wedding cake. That does not happen in the OC. Okay, you're right. That is from The Young and the Restless. And let's face it, I'm sure that's happened in many a property in the show. Number three. A girl comes back for the guy and finds him hanging upside down a la Spider-Man and they kiss. That does happen between Summer and Seth. It still sounds terrible. I mean, who wants to upside down makeup? It, your blood is rushing to your head. You'll, you'd have to uh, see it. It was really cute. I don't believe it, but I will. I'll YouTube just that scene. I won't keep watching the show. Number four. You're three for three. Good job. Number four. As one man is beating up another, a female appears and shoots the attacking man. <laughs> I watched that scene today. <laughs> As Imogene Heap plays over when Marissa shoots Trey because he's going to kill he picks up a phone. It's going to like bash Ryan's head in. And yeah, she shoots him. It's awesome. It's the end of season Wait, like two. Wait, like a corded phone? Like a big old Yes, like the one, like a rotary phone, you know? So that okay. would have been real heavy to bash someone's head in with. He's not like, eat yeah. razor. <laughs> eat my iPhone 5. Yeah, I know. Um, Take my Sony yeah, Ericsson. I, I am actually so proud of myself right now. I'm not even, I'm not embarrassed. I'm proud. Number five. A main character gets killed by a car driven by an angry ex-boyfriend. I'm going to say no, not on the OC. Um, Mackenzie, that's how Marissa dies. <laughs> Spoilers, too late. <laughs> Listen, I had that in my head. I'm like, is that how she dies? But then I was like, I don't remember the ex-boyfriend part. All right, well, I may have just flubbed the biggest question. So maybe <laughs> I thought that was it. like the one softball question. So here we go. Well, Number six. A character turns up alive after the town believes she's died in a car accident. No, that didn't happen. So Marissa never comes back to life. No, she she does not. Well, this was from The Bold and the Beautiful. Okay. Number seven. As a character sinks deeper into the throes of gambling addiction, another character exploits his problem to break up his relationship. That's probably a plot line with the adults, which I don't remember as much as the kids. I don't know. You have to answer. (laughs) uh okay thanks taylor i guess i'll say yes between between the adults that happened on the oc wrong okay lorian suggested that i have like a like a foghorn or something so maybe i'll put that in right now no that was from one life to live number eight one character gets up on a table in public to declare his love for another character um seth does that to summer in the cafeteria it's so cute oh okay that's probably also happened in everything but yes yes Seth I actually was thinking that. of somewhere else where that happens, yeah. Number nine, one character plots to kill her husband by mixing pills into his drink, but at the last minute can't go through with it. Listen, I feel like that's something Julie Cooper would do. God, this is hard. I'm going to say, I'm going to say Julie did it. She did do it. Yes. But spoilers, when she decides, no, I can't do it, he dies of a heart attack like five minutes later. I do remember that now. Yikes. We're going to have to talk about her husband, Caleb Nickel, in a moment. But Oh, gosh. Number 10. We got two more. Number 10. A mother hooks up with her daughter's ex-boyfriend. Yeah, that happens. That's Julie. Her and Puka Shell hook up. <sighs> Puka Shell, large yeah. truck, tiny, tiny corn dog. Um, this was a trick question because it also happens on All My Children and General Hospital. So okay. you would have been right no matter what. Is it a trick question if you can't get it wrong? Last one. A boatload of partygoers are accidentally dosed with a libido-enhancing drug. Oh, my gosh. I feel like this happened on The Simpsons or something. I don't think that happened. It didn't. It happened in All My Children. That would have been a very silly plot point. It would have. 
Well, since Caleb Nickel is not in the pilot, I just need to mention that Alan Dale, who plays Caleb, Kirsten's father. Kiki's dad, which is so weird that Julie marries him. Ugh. But he plays this evil dad in the OC. He plays Charles Widmore on Lost like two years later. Oh, and he plays the evil boss in Ugly Betty, I think, the next year. This guy's, like, got a monopoly on evil old man right now. He's got a good voice and face for it, so... I would hope that he was just, you know, sitting on a park bench and some agent was like, You look like an angry evil guy. Let you me get like you into show business. You look like you somebody 30 years younger than you. <laughs> Mackenzie, I'm very proud of you. I am too. The fact that I have retained much of that knowledge... I should probably be studying something more important, but there we go. In our youth, things get lodged into deep parts of our brain, and we can never get them out, even if we want to. So that was a lot of fun, and let's keep this momentum going and hit up key storyline number three, Seth Cohen. That was for you. That, you know, that's the only time I will allow a sexy pigeon is about Seth Cohen, because he's both awkward and so cute. What did you think of Seth? I know that you have seen his show a little bit. But what was your take as a mostly first-time viewer? My experience with Adam Brody is Dave Rogowski from Gilmore Girls, who I thought was a fantastic character. And when I first saw Seth, I was like, this kid sucks. What? No. He's just, I guess you got to give characters room to grow. So it's the pilot. I'm sure eventually he'll be more normal and actually talk to humans in a normal way. He does have a little plastic horse that he talks to and like (laughs) plays with. So, you know... They really do play out the nerdiness in a way that Dave Rogalski just never got to. But yeah, all I could think about this whole episode whenever I saw Seth was, this is just Josh Schwartz practicing to write Chuck's character. Like, he just feels like a watered-down version .01 of Chuck. That is true. And Rachel Bilson ends up liking both of them because she's on Chuck liking liking the actual Chuck himself also. When reading about this, there wasn't really a like cute, endearing geek who was also like one of the one of the leads of the show in mm. many teen dramas. Usually, the geek was like the side character, or you had Oracle. freaks and geeks where that was the the whole topic. Right. So it was kind of a new thing to bring in with him and Ryan being these male leads together, and their friendship. Um, normally, teen soapy dramas have female leads completely, and it's all about their view of the world. Right. And this is about Ryan and Seth. So kind of a fun way, not that we need more things about dudes in the world, because they make more money, they get more opportunities. However, their friendship is really fun, and it's just a different take. I did think that was some of the best acting in this episode, was was their little interactions toward the end. But when I first saw Seth on the floor playing video games, and he looked like a little five-year-old, it brought me back to a moment that I'm not very proud of, (laughs) just feeling like a little child. I don't know what year it was, but the first Pokemon movie came out. Okay. And I, you know, I played some Pokemon on the Game Boy. So I watched this movie and I fall asleep in front of it. (laughs) And then I hear the door open and it's my older sister and like five of her friends from college. And I'm just like, (laughs) Pokemon on the couch with the Pokemon. I was like, oh no. (laughs) So that's kind of, I felt like like the older person walking in on this little child here. Oh, that's really funny. Ryan's face is is just very funny watching this guy who like his problems are worrying about like his mom, you know, kicking him out. And Seth's like, you want to play video games? Which it shows that he like lives in a somewhat stable house. Yeah, I... Wait, quick question. Did I just say my sister or our sister? I think you said my sister. She's our sister. That's ridiculous. She's our sister. 
She's sorry, Miranda. The sister to both of us. I really like that Seth brings the comic relief for the show, and he will continue to. Where the other moments are like funny and kind of like an endearing, heartwarming way, but like he ends up actually being funny. We can't go much farther without talking about our dear friend Seth, who wants to sail to Tahiti, and what's the name of his boat? <laughs> it's <laughs> it's called the Summer Breeze. Here we are able to answer our burning question for the week: Is it creepy? To name a boat after a girl you've never talked to. Yes, it is. As much as I love Seth and the show, it's real creepy. He's watched her from afar. At least he doesn't have a telescope. That would be, be the That worst. we know of. <laughs> At least he can play off like, oh, Summer Breeze, I live in Orange County. It's just about the breeze. The breeze is going to but... take me away on my sailboat. I think it's a way to also show that he's nerdy and Ryan is the one who gets the girl because we'll see later... Summer ends up drunkenly hitting on Ryan and it creates this tension between them. And it's a great impetus for the fight that happens too. So, you know, you could name a boat after your wife and I would be fine if my husband named a boat after me because we're married, you know? Well, now I'm just going to be brainstorming boat names all night. There we go. Well, speaking of fights, we got to move on. We're not at the fight yet, (laughs) but we're going to get to the the fashion show. We'll make this one quick. The fashion show, fashion show at Just a normal Tuesday night. (laughs) Wrong show. Just a normal Tuesday night in the OC. A high fashion fashion show. That was well said by me. I thought it was funny because Marissa is putting the fashion show on and she's like getting ready for it and her mom is making fun of her weight. And it kind of shows that Marissa, she's like this great girl on the outside, but there's a lot of trouble at home. But she kind of is like the face of Mm. success in this neighborhood. The main plot point that I gleaned from this entire scene is that Every woman at this fashion show of every age wants to get with Ryan. Yeah, that is true. It's a little creepy. I mean, he is 25 in real life. That's true. Those guys who have to take care of themselves, maybe they just look older because he's lived a rougher life. I don't know. It, it definitely showed him That's being like out of place with all the rich people. And then we see Luke show up and he says a very derogatory homophobic word to Seth He's just a butthead, okay? He's the worst. And then we also see this is when Summer has the hots for Ryan. And I really like seeing Rachel Bilson. Now, she's like got this cute little baby face in the show. And I think she's really gotten better with age. When she's on Chuck or The Heart of Dixie, she just is real pretty. Yeah, she's likable. Yeah, she is. Mm-hmm. And she mm-hmm. wasn't supposed to be a series regular. She actually, they wrote the like, ew lines, ew, ew, for her. And she was supposed to be on just a couple of episodes as a little sidekick, but... They just got to love her. And I, I really start to enjoy her character as well because this is not a very fleshed out version of her. Well, yeah, I'm sure she just got on here because she's like best friends with Josh Schwartz. She was the maid of honor at his wedding, actually. Oh. Very lucky that well, she got to be in pretty much everything he ever made. It wouldn't be an OC fashion show if there wasn't an after party afterwards. So whoop, whoop. the parents go home and like think that their kids are out having a good time. And then they go to a party. And all I'm thinking is like, are high school parties actually like this? Because Seth is like, oh, cocaine. That's awesome. No one's got a lot of clothes on. I'm thinking about everybody Mm -hmm. in that party getting pregnant. I did go to a few parties in high school, but I just had real friends who we could actually like hang out with. And I didn't have to just look at a solo cup to try to make conversation. Did you want to be like, do you think doing alcohol is cool? (laughs) Uh, Thanks, prison Mike. (laughs) I think this is something that is said by adults in other movies and shows as well. But Seth or Kirsten, one of them says, I'm sure they're not doing anything we didn't do. 
And depending on your experience in high school, that is either a very terrifying or naive or... Right. It's just a very loaded, yes, loaded statement. It very much is. But in terms of the narrative of the pilot, this party, it allows us to see Ryan and Seth's friendship solidified through the fight that is about to occur. We see that lead to Kirsten wanting to kick Ryan out, realizing that his mom is gone and then he's going to stay for whoever knows how long, maybe four seasons, something like that. But of all the high school parties I've seen in movies and television, I just... This didn't feel the realist to me. I can't quite put my finger on it. Maybe it was the speed at which we were shown cocaine. I don't know. If you want to talk about unrealistic, my other favorite part of dialogue in this this scene, which again, it's between Marissa and Ryan. I don't know if they know how to write for them right now. Will that ever work out? Yeah. I'm not sure either. That actually might be the weakest relationship in, in the show, which is funny because it's supposed to be the main one. Hmm. But Marissa comes up to Ryan with her cup of some sort of alcohol, and says, hey. So, what do you think of Newport? I think I can get in less trouble where I'm from. Hey, Coop! It's your turn to deal. You have no idea. It's, they should just be like winking at each other constantly. Right. It's, there's so many long <laughs> stares between Marissa and Ryan. It's just like no one actually does this this quickly when you're that age. It was so overplayed like with the cigarette earlier. It just was actually funny yeah. to me because it's totally. fairly heavy handed. Like the pilot is like, see, we're seeing something brewing. And I'm like, you could have, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they were going with it hard because it's a pilot and they really want to establish this plot point here. But Right. I could have done without without the, you have no idea. Well, after these poorly delivered lines, we get to the fight. Uh, some bullies are beating up Seth, and Ryan goes over and helps him. And, of course, Luke has just been salivating, waiting for a moment yes. to fight Ryan. I knew the moment I saw Luke, like, these guys, <laughs> we're not going to escape this episode without them. No. Engaging in fisticuffs is the is the way to say it. Mackenzie, I'm not going to say the word. I'm going to let, I'm just going to hand this over to you. <laughs> Luke's, Luke says something, he says, which has been beloved by fans. The most iconic line in the show, which is really interesting that it's in the pilot. Welcome to the OC, B word. I'm not going to even say the real word because I want to keep our non-E rating here. Um, Byersdorf. Yeah, Byersdorf. It's just, it's delicious coming out of Luke's filthy little puka shell mouth. He just, he would say that. There, That actually he's, is. He's a, the worst. He, he is the worst. It shows that Ryan is an outsider even though actually if people got to know him he's a really nice guy mostly josh schwartz just really wanted to get the title of the show in the pilot so that's how they did it but i love that that luke follows up his famous line with this is how it's done in orange county but what he's really saying is that the way that we fight is we outnumber you and we prove that we're worse fighters than you so since i've only seen i think three episodes of this show now i do have a few questions for you Okay. One, is Summer always a turd? We get to know what's underneath <laughs> her B-wordy facade. There's a whole storyline about her like loving the Golden Girls. It shows her kind of, it's like her nerdy side that fits along with Cess. It's kind of her dirty little secret that she loves Golden Girls. And their relationship actually ends up being really funny. Based on the time it took you to answer this question, I'm going to say, yes, she is always a turd. She is. Otherwise, you, you would have said, you, no, you love her. You understand what's underneath. You see more. Sure. Sure. 
Another question is, does Ryan and Marissa's relationship, are they like, do they get Ross and Rachel'd in an annoying way, back and forth? Or is it just like, they get together? They get together, and there is the, the weird thing with Oliver in the therapy office. She gets a little too close with somebody. She also has a storyline where she falls in love with Olivia Wilde. And Ryan, I think, is with someone else or still in love with her. They do break up. And actually, Olivia Wilde was supposed to be Marissa. She was the other top mm -hmm. runner for the Marissa character. But you know why they did not pick her? It was because Olivia Wilde seemed like she could kind of take care of herself. She seemed tougher, a little less vulnerable. And for Marissa's mm. character, they wanted somebody that seemed like she needed to come be rescued, like from this douchey dad and really, you know, <laughs> vapid and shallow mom. All that to say, they have little trysts with other characters. And ultimately, in the end, she dies in the arms of the man that she loves. So I don't even think they're together when Marissa dies. Spoiler, sorry, season three. It, it's shown the entire time that they really do love each other. So, Because all I really remember from this series in the past was the Christmas yarmulke that Seth wears. Chrismica. So I remember watching that episode, and then I watched the episode where she is killed. Yeah. And he carries her away from the burning wreckage of the car. And watching this pilot, I was like, oh, he carries her to bed, and it's, it's a callback to that. It's very so, sweet. Poor... It was Poor guy. That was a very sweet. controversial thing, obviously, to kill someone who's like your main, one of your main protagonists right. in the show in in such a way. But the sweetness was a little dampened for me, though, because I was still reeling from the actions of Summer and her other friends just leaving her on the driveway, passed out. Oh, my gosh. Probably going to swallow her tongue and die. Yes. Well, I, know <sighs> I was very upset. We see Ryan's good heartedness in this when he brings yes. her into the house and lets her sleep on the bed and him and Seth are on the floor and... Then he makes bacon the next day, and you just realize, like, he's actually got a good heart underneath, <laughs> even though Kiki wants to kick him out. Okay. Are these, is this Jewish family going to eat the bacon? I don't know. Well. That's a good final question. Let's transition into our key questions. Mackenzie, right. do you want to begin, or should I? Well, I'm curious, because you are a first-timer with the show, except for the death part, so you really got a spoiler there. Do you think the pilot <laughs> has a message? You gave a better message when you talked about being an outsider, but my message was you don't have to be where you come from. That makes sense from both of them, right? The OC or Chino. Yeah, because you can see that Sandy is not really the OC. Um, Kirsten talks about not wanting to be this person. There's, you know, this struggle, and it at least it forces you to evaluate the ways in which you put people in a box and judge books by their dust jackets yes know? well that was a lot more poignant than my message was just that when you're poignant, poignant moments from taylor yeah, we'll have many more of those um my takeaway was that when you're 32 and a parent you watch teen soaps a lot differently than you did when you were the age of the actor so <laughs> you know i i was I'm now sure. looking at it as like a mom being like oh ryan your mom moved out i'm so sorry Many more tears as a parent watching everything. Yeah, it's, it's a blessing and a Unavoidable. curse. Unavoidable. Mackenzie, I hope you were able to look at this pilot objectively without your Seth-colored glasses. Can you tell me, did you think that this was good? I think actually, as a high schooler and an adult, I'm asking different questions. As a younger person, I like the drama and the seeds that are planted because there's a lot going on that I want to know about. Kiki and Jimmy's past is mentioned. Ryan and Marissa, Seth and Ryan's friendship, whatever's going to happen with Summer and Seth. And also that Ryan is actually like a smart, kind person who just like needs a loving mm -hmm. environment to help him find his potential. 
I think there's more to do. You know, I, I want to see more of that. So the cheesier parts, you know, I, I expect that from the genre of teen soap. But I, I will mm-hmm. say, as an adult, it made me ask the question if the moneyed, toxic, entitled environment of the OC was actually going to offer Ryan more than like being from the wrong side of the tracks or whatever. Hmm. That's a good point. So I I think there was actually like deeper questions here than what meets the eye. And especially his statement of I could get in less trouble where I'm come from, which was, you know, delivered in such a silly way. That really rings true to me of like, oh, which, you know, who really is the outsider here? Or which really is yeah. going to be better for, for Ryan and these kids who were doing cocaine and their parents don't know i think in that way it actually goes deeper than some of the other soapy things that i probably wouldn't watch right was that objective enough for you (laughs) it was objective thank you now i have to bring up our executive producer lorraine roland she told me she's a little miffed at how we asked this question of do they pull a sully because in her mind sully does a great job when he, he lands the plane on the Hudson instead of it crashing after being hit by all the birds. From our viewpoint, it's like, was this a normal plane landing or not? But Right, was it an emergency landing point, or did they do well? Maybe it should be, did they pull a bird? Were, were they a flock of birds <laughs> getting into the engines of the plane? Those dumb birds. But you know, pull a silly is better. So Lorian, we're going to stick with it. It sounds much better. We love you. <laughs> uh, my answer to this question is 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 one more mention of my wife she she always asks me do you want to keep watching i read a little bit of the storylines from later in the seasons and i didn't want to watch those right but after watching the pilot i did want to know a little more so maybe it would it would lead me to just watch at least one more and we'll see if episode two peaks my interest but if we're calling that successful yes and looking back over a lot of the early moments especially they used a lot of the classic pilot tricks to give exposition in pretty seamless ways. So what you're saying is well done, okay? So begrudgingly, yeah, yeah, I'll say they landed the plane. Thank you very Darn. much. Well, fart buckets. Okay, I'm very curious what your thoughts are about who the breakout star from the OC is. You know, this was very interesting to me because we have Ben McKenzie, Adam Brody, Rachel Bilson. They all had kind of the same amount of success. Right. You know, including and after the OC. Misha Barton was probably the biggest name beforehand and hasn't done as much. But you think like with a cast like this, this age and such a silly show, you kind of assume that some of these people are going to fizzle out in their career. But they all kind of did well, which is is great. But I will go with Rachel Bilson because I think she... Looking over her IMDb, it was the most recognizable to me. Yes, I think she remains the most recognizable of everybody from the show. Misha Barton didn't go on to do much, which to me, she was the weakest part of the show. I'm sorry to say. Now Sandy Cohen, Peter Gallagher, he's already got a great career. So this is just another nail on the coffin of him being awesome. I think Rachel Bilson is my choice. I think Heart of Dixie is a real winner. She just is really likable as a human. But I will say... I wanted so much more from Adam Brody, who I actually think had the most potential after the show. Hmm. And he went on to do a few like rom-coms, which I definitely saw in the theater. And like he hasn't done that much more. And it's kind of a bummer. And I don't know if he got typecast or if, you know, Zachary Levi, who played Chuck, ate his lunch money. Um, ate his lunch money, <laughs> ate his lunch, stole his lunch money. I don't know. Whichever one. Hey, that's a choose. power move to just walk yeah. up and eat someone's I lunch. Eat. Money. I don't even need food. I'm just gonna eat your money. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, is there 
re- remind me, is there like a like a joke or like a fan theory that Dave Rogalski moved to the OC yes. and became Yes, and became okay. Seth Cohen. Yeah. <laughs> that's definitely been there. I I think I think he's just really sweet and funny and like he actually can deliver a line really well. So I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. when he's older and get some gray hair, he'll be back. People like those silver foxes. We'll see. So <laughs> yeah. Based on other things we've talked about from other shows, I feel like I kind of know who your twin <laughs> is gonna be. But you might That's surprise me. That's what you me. think. You might surprise me. Who's your twin of the episode? Based on bangs, Julie Cooper. Yeah, you've got some nice little highlights there. <laughs> and you love. I Rodeo. wish I could end it there. I oh, love is a strong yeah, word. I love Froyo. It's know. good. It's good. My twin in high school certainly. It's Seth Cohen. It is certainly the nerdy guy, but let's face it, Seth Cohen can't put two words together to talk to anyone, let alone a hot girl. And I talked to many. You, I was going to say you scored a couple, and that's not a nice way to talk about people who I actually really like. Um, you, you had lots of girlfriends, and you were very nice. You had lots of friends who were girls, and you, you dated a few ladies, so you were doing fine. So speaking of being nice, I don't want this to be like tooting my own horn because I Ooh. said how much I loved Sandy Cohen so much, but... I'm going to say Sandy Cohen. I see it. He, he is like a really cool, awesome surfer lawyer guy, and I don't do either of those <laughs> things, but I could, and in my heart, I think, I think I am. I think you care about the little guy, as Sandy does, and you, you don't let your environment take what is true of you away from you, so yeah, Thank I you. like it. Thank you for not just being like, nope, you're... You're Caleb Nickel. I do feel like you're you an would, old white man. You would say something silly as a dad, like him repeating the line that Ryan gives of like, you're salt in this game or whatever. I feel like you would do that. <laughs> so I agree. I would. All right. I'm going to guess you are Summer. No, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Thank you. Ew. Ew. Okay. Um, okay. Listen, I had to decide between Marissa or Kiki. So for Marissa, when I was in high school, I was dating somebody who was very wrong for me when I met Brian, my my now husband. And Jordan Shipley? Do we have to say his Wait. name? Do we? Do we? Yep. He was very sweet, but would not have gone where it should go. I can't believe okay. I can't believe you just called me out there. Brian was wearing puka shells, which falls into the Luke trope, but we've already talked about that. But in terms of Marissa, I definitely went for the new guy who came into our community. Brian was new. New to the youth group, got invited to church camp, and he was spiced it up. He caused a little drama. I won't go into it because he's he's changed since. But I can see myself and Marissa there. For Kiki, mm-hmm. I really like bagels. And bagels are a, are a Cohen family thing that I know you don't know about, mm-hmm. but it comes into the show. I also am a very protective mom. I don't like trust anybody with my kids. So I can understand why she's like, he's out once Seth gets punched in the face. I did grow up with a best guy friend who was the best man at my wedding. You know, I know that Kiki's really close with Jimmy, although I am not in love with this person. We are both happily married to other people. And we dated in fourth grade, I think. So we got all our love out then. We were sure you guys were going to get married in fourth grade. Yeah, well, you know, for both of our sake, it's good that it didn't work out. But I did end (laughs) up marrying someone with a big heart and who's got great hair like Sandy. So I think I'm going to go with with kiki now that i'm 
an adult, but maybe in my younger years, I was more like Marissa. I'm glad that we could both move on from our teenage twins to the better <laughs> adult twins. We've grown. Thank you for naming one of my high school boyfriends. Okay, Brad, our final key question. Hit me with it. Our final key question. All right, Mackenzie, you work for the Fox Network. All right. And you have yet to be purchased by Disney, so don't Disneyify your answer. Would you pick up this show? And you're wearing puka shells and a white polo because you're in the OC. Oh gosh, a white polo. I think I wore a pink polo once. I think at the time, this show really did fill a a hole in the, you know, the teen drama, but also for Fox, they probably wanted to jump on that where there'd been these other successful shows. Mm, yeah. I think I would jump on it because of the likes of Peter Gallagher. There were a lot of unknowns, but I think the pilot's very strong. I do just want more Sandy Cohen. I would like to hear your arguments if you're for or against. Maybe that would help me fully make up my mind. <laughs> I'm not going to make up your mind for you. <laughs> I really didn't want to want to pick up the show. I want to be like, I'm the executive. I'm not going to give this 26-year-old his own show with a with a long leash. I mean, in reality, he was given like a mentor producer who was a veteran to have a hand on his shoulder, I guess. But luckily, they got along very well. So yeah, I, I would have been hesitant to make a show about rich white kids and their angsty garbage. But it was a solid pilot. I'll give them that. So they got one season. I'm yeah. giving them one. And you know, I think, I think maybe it should have been one or two strong seasons because... One thing I read about in my my research, my very clinical research for the OC, was that they just burned through plot points like nobody's business. There was 27 episodes in the first season. and What? Yeah. It, it ended up with them writing themselves into a corner because the pacing of the show had to just keep going to keep people, you know, to keep the Super drama weird. up. I, I do think that I would have wanted to see where they were actually going to go with some of these plot lines. But I don't know, it, it's all there in terms of these different relationships and the the adults and the kids. It kind of reminds me of like Downton Abbey where you get a look at the upstairs and the downstairs. Hmm. And so yeah. there's a there's enough world to explore. I kind of wish that the show was actually a little bit more like the pilot because there's some moments. I mean, this is a major spoiler, but Ryan ends up with the most annoying girl. They get married. Seth and Summer get married. Ryan ends up dating this girl and marrying her, you know, after um marissa dies and it just it just was like what is happening here i know they wanted to give them a nice ending but i actually stopped watching after the third season i think um and came back and watched so they kind of jumped the shark they did so maybe they could have held on a little bit more to the heart of the pilot the show would have done well but you know be true to yourself be true to your Mm. heart oh wow i just that was a 98 degrees reference. I'm really back into my teenage years right now. Yeah. Well, I think <laughs> Are I you will... wearing a Roxy shirt right now? Yeah. And I have butterfly clips in my hair. Okay. Um, <laughs> I think I would have picked it up. I really enjoyed watching this pilot. So this was worth it to me. I am glad that I had more fun than I thought I would. I have no regrets, I guess. But I'm still waiting for an accurate portrayal of like a medium high school party with no bathroom threesomes or cocaine. So we'll see if that ever happens Yeah, that on was, any show. That was definitely a lot. I will be honest, as an adult, I was like, this is too much for me. And so I'm going back to my younger brain and I was like, oh no, I've been marred. One quick question before we wrap up. Do you want a bagel right now? Does this show make you want a bagel? It really does. And I 
can't eat bagels because I'm gluten free. So oh, that's just like that's true. It's really sad. I do want to be that's a part of sad. the Cohen family, although Kiki like kind of turns into an alcoholic. Sandy stays cool the whole time. Let's just say it. We all Good want here. a dad like Sandy. You know, <laughs> he's great. Well, as we so often do, let me play the theme song from the show we are covering next week. Well, this experience has firmly made me believe I will never watch an actual soap opera again in my life. And we are never covering one on this show. Never I'm say never. I can't imagine watching the pilot to like General Hospital. Oh my or gosh, something. like 40 years ago. Probably from the 70s, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really appreciate you doing this with me. When I suggested the OC, Taylor heard the squeal and the volume of which I suggested it and he... He took me up on it, so thank you. I'll I'll go there Blast somewhere the with some show that I, you know, was mildly interested in at some point for you. you. Thank you. I owe you one, or you owe me one. I don't know how that works. I owe you one? Anyway. Yes. Thank you, listeners, for listening to this fun deep dive. And I'm just going to end by saying this pilot holds up, so even if the rest of the series doesn't, it was fun to relive where this iconic, I mean, this series is iconic. It did jump the shark. But everybody has a history and memory with this show. So go back and watch it. You might have fun. Well, thanks everybody so much for listening this week. We love dissecting these pilots together and it is so fun to share it with all of you. If you have enjoyed our podcast, there are three easy ways you can share and interact with us. First, make sure to subscribe so that you never miss an episode. Second, share our show with a friend and leave us a rating and review on your favorite podcasting app. These reviews actually help people find out more about our show. Finally, we love interacting with you. We want to hear about which pilot you want us to analyze next or your twin of the episode, or if you've got a beef with any of our opinions. So come find us at fromthetoppod.com and on Instagram and Facebook at fromthetoppod. Thanks again, guys. We hope you had a lot of fun, and we'll see you next week on From the Top with Taylor and McKenzie. <laughs> <laughs>